Hello and welcome to the What's Up APS podcast. I'm your host, Frank Bellavia with School and Community Relations. All of us at APS hope you're well and staying safe during this this uh, time that we're in. Uh, we definitely miss our students. We miss the laughter. We miss the quiet, the assemblies, the field trips, morning meetings, lunchtime, and everything that's in between. Um, and we hope you're enjoying this time with your children, but we also know that this can be a stressful time. So on this episode, we are taking an in-depth look at our continuity of learning plan that was released on April 9th. We know that distance learning, excuse me, cannot replace our amazing classroom teachers, but our commitment is to engage students in learning activities that reinforce mastery of topics for the current school year. So joining me on this episode is Interim Superintendent Satya Johnson, Assistant Superintendent of Teaching and Learning, Bridget Loft, our new Chief Diversity, Inclusion and Equity Officer, Aaron Gregory. And later on, we'll be joined by first grade teacher, Sydney Mann at Charles R. Drew Elementary School and Wakefield math teacher, Laurel Wiersma. Uh, we have a lot to cover, but before we dive into that, I want to uh, ask Cynthia to talk about her hopes for this learning plan. Hello, Cynthia, and thanks for taking some time to join us today. My pleasure, and thank you for the time. Um, and we absolutely do miss our students. So I want to again start by saying to our students and to our overall community and staff that I hope everyone continues to remain safe and healthy during these life-changing times that we're all experiencing. So my hope at this time for my students, staff, and families is really that we are thinking about the academic and emotional needs of our students um, through our continuous learning plan. Um, I do want to acknowledge feedback that we have received. The school board is receiving feedback and staff is receiving feedback as well and share that we're going to reflect and make adjustments as needed, but we're going to move forward with implementing this new plan to ensure that we are meeting the needs of our students academically and emotionally as well. This plan does in fact align with our APS strategic plan with a focus on the priorities we had for the 2019-20 school year. And if you'll recall, that focus was around the academics as well as the relationship, which is the social emotional component. So the well-being of our students has always been an integral part of our work and important to the overall success of our students. Additionally, it reflects our core values Um, And our effort in our plan is to try to ensure that we're keeping that in mind as well and that equity component becomes a critical piece. So while our delivery must be different because of the pandemic, we still want to maintain our focus and our plan helps us to do that. I do wanna acknowledge the collaborative effort that went into doing this work. Um, and that is in the development of the plan. And this included teachers, department staff, and we did have an opportunity also to get feedback from other stakeholders prior to that plan being finalized. I do also wanna share just that at the state level, I am involved as all superintendents across the state in meetings that occur twice a week. And during those meetings, we do in fact discuss all components associated with the pandemic, COVID-19. So we continue to work and develop plans in response to these ever-changing needs um, that require us to 
think about student learning as well as other components. So I believe that the plan takes into consideration what VDOT had brought to our attention. So there is an alignment there. And I wanna share that we are committed to working hard to ensure that our plan is in fact responsive to the diverse needs of our students. And we are committed to reflecting on the feedback that we receive as we move forward. Thank you, Cynthia. and appreciate your leadership on, on this and enduring this, this challenging time we're, we're facing. So I wanna bring in uh, Bridget Loft, our Assistant Superintendent of Teaching and Learning. Many of you know that she was also the principal of Swanson Middle School as well as Yorktown High School where she just came over from uh, in January. So um, jumping right into the fire, Bridget. So can you talk a little bit about how the learning plan was developed? Sure, thanks so much for this opportunity, Frank. I, I really appreciate the chance to be able to speak to our continuous um, learning plans and to uh, to share with you how they were developed. We uh, started with our uh, Department of Teaching and Learning um, uh, instructional supervisors and specialists, uh, worked with some teachers and some administrators in the development of the plan, and really referenced um, guidance from the VDOE um, about uh, the introduction of uh, new content and took a look at our um, the standards of learning that drive all of our uh, curricula as, um, as we present and think about instruction. So we really carefully considered the material um, that would be presented for the best interest of all of our students. And I want to echo um, Cynthia's discussion about our commitment to, to equity and excellence. Once we had uh, sort of developed the plan, we shared uh, the, the plans or drafts thereof with uh, stakeholders uh, that included um, parents and staff, um, administrators, uh, we had our related services, our student services staff, so psychologists and counselors and social workers. Um, we had a student uh, participate on the secondary uh, stakeholder feedback group uh, and then representatives from various advisory committees. So we really tried to capture the span of constituents uh, to get uh, feedback. And once we had gotten that feedback, we included it in the plans uh, before we shared them with uh, staff and students. You mentioned the, the guidance that the VDOE provided. Can you talk a little bit about some of the guidance and in, in, um, that they um, sent to school divisions and how that does play into or fit into our, our plan? So uh, VDOE, along with Arlington, um, have uh, really specific concerns about uh, broadening um, existing opportunity gaps. So when we think about um, accessibility to the internet, uh, to Canvas, to um, also uh, family structures and, and different family needs, um, there's a wide range of abilities of our students to be able to access new content. Uh, and VDOE um, really cautioned um, school systems to consider how we might move forward in presenting new content. Um, so we took that to heart, uh, given our commitment to, to equity, um, and we uh, opted to move forward in uh, giving kids the opportunity to really solidify and master key learning uh, concepts that they were presented in first and second and third quarter. In some respects, and this may seem sort of strange, um, this uh, closing of schools has given us the time to slow down a bit. Um, often the pace of school is such that we don't always have the opportunity to allow kids to truly 
focus on and master key learning. So that's been our focus. I think there's been um, perhaps some confusion about um, new learning activities. And so uh, this um, opportunity also allows us to present these concepts in new ways to allow kids to practice application and analysis to extend their learning so that they um, truly have a strong foundation moving into the next school year. I can talk a bit, though, about how we're going to uh, address these fourth quarter concepts that we've chosen to, to put a hold on, uh, if that's okay, um, Frank. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question, is, is how schools and how DTL was going to make sure that students did get those fourth quarter concepts. So elementary students and um, secondary students who are enrolled in sequential classes. So I use as an example, Spanish one and Spanish two are sequential to one another as an example, will have the opportunity to be introduced to and to really work on essential key concepts uh, from the fourth quarter in September of this upcoming school year. And this will give also all of our teachers and students a chance to um, really sort of benchmark uh, their learning and to ensure that they've been able to um, sort of chew on these uh, key concepts and, and really develop some uh, proficiency. And then in October through June, we uh, will be compacting the curriculum to um, focus on the essential standards that are presented normally through the year um, in a more compact way. One of the questions and, and um, clarification questions that we've been getting from families is about surrounding introducing new content as part of the plan. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Are we introducing new content or new learning activities? And, and how are we clarifying that for families? Sure. I think it's really important to differentiate the introduction of new content with the use of new learning activities. Teachers use new learning activities all the time. Uh, it's best practice to present a concept in a variety of ways because no uh, two kids learn uh, the same way. And so, for example, uh, we may have uh, students write um, about uh, the new deal. We may have them uh, pretend they're Franklin Roosevelt talking about the New Deal. They, we may have them compare um, political policies uh, between the New Deal and um, some conservative perspective of the time. So those are three examples, three new learning activities about the same concept. So just as we have opted not to introduce new content from the fourth quarter, what we um, absolutely are committed to is ensuring that our students have opportunities to demonstrate that they've mastered the content that was presented in the first, second, and third quarter. Um, and we do that through multiple modalities. Uh, and that has to happen through new learning activities. We need to keep this fresh for our kids so that they are actively engaged in learning. I'd say as an aside too, Frank, that um, when we think about new learning activities for our pre-K to second graders who have the unique situation in that they were not assigned um, devices uh, before schools were closed. We were using a shared model, so they didn't have their own devices. Um, we engage our, our 
pre-K through second grade students with um, using uh, reading instruction via AETV. That's one modality. With using uh, printed copies of uh, learning activity, that's another modality. And that is supported by that interpersonal relationship and connection with teachers as they check in regularly with these kids to deliver direct instruction. So um, I think the key takeaway here is learning doesn't happen once. We have to present it over and over again in different ways so that uh, we can be ensured that our, ch our children are accessing it and demonstrating proficiency with the concepts. It's like that old adage where in the PR world where you have to mention something a number of times before it actually sinks in in the consumer's mind and that they, they remember that. When we're talking, when you're talking about new activities, teachers across grade levels have the ability to introduce new ways of teaching their kids and some different ideas. Are they allowed to supplement the content? So um, no content sort of stands alone. Um, so I'm a, a former history major, so forgive me, or a teacher, for, so forgive me for using another history example. But, you know, the civil rights example uh, era did not emerge fully formed from nothing. Uh, there was uh, an entirety of legislation and uh, socioeconomic factors and cultural factors that led to that. So um, by introducing um, or uh, reinforcing concepts, um, we're going to have to make reference to the connections that um, exist between that concept and other concepts. And that has to ha be reinforced uh, in a variety of ways. You, you mentioned how uh, reinforcing concepts learned up until we, we closed um, schools this year. How, did, how does this plan enforce some of those concepts? So um, I'd certainly be interested in, in hearing uh, Laurel and Sydney sort of talk from the trenches about how they do that. So I'll give the 30,000 foot view uh, and perhaps they can speak more specifically to uh, the work that they're doing. Uh, so the standards of learning that are um, provided by uh, VDOE help guide uh, the, the APS curriculum um, and the work that we do. And so our teachers work with their uh, content colleagues or their grade level colleagues we call uh, and in groups that we call collaborative learning teams and this is a, a structure that has been in place for some time in APS and they work together to identify those really essential standards of learning um, for their particular content area or their grade level and those are the um, the the power standards, if you will, that we focus uh, this new learning activities on and that we build um, extension activities. So I'll um, use as an example for, for English, uh, one of the power standards might be focusing on point of view. Um, and so the collaborative learning teams will develop uh, learning activities to help kids really um, uh, interact with point of view, um, uh, try a variety of different perspectives 
perspectives. Uh, there might be several different performance tasks that they engage in that speak to um, multiple learning styles. And then teachers will um, assess, where are you? Have you, figured, have, you, have you mastered this? Do you need some additional help? Um, those students who need additional help, then the, um, there are additional um, sort of um, um, activities that uh, they can continue to engage in. So we call that spiraling. We're always uh, circling backwards to um, ensure that uh, kids are um, accessing these concepts. As you mentioned, we are joined by two teachers. Um, Sydney Mann is a first grade teacher, teacher at Charles Drew elementary school. She has taught um, for three years with Arlington Public Schools as a kindergarten and first grade teacher, and she previously worked as an interventionist with grade levels K through five in both math and reading. Um, and also joining us is uh, math teacher Laurel Wiersma at Wakefield High School. She's been there since 1997 and has taught almost every high school math course from general math for EL students to AP Calculus, and she is currently the AP Statistics and AP Computer Science Principals Teacher and the math department chair at Wakefield. So I want to um, thank you both for taking time out of your day to, to join us and, and um, talk a little bit about, um, like Bridget mentioned, how you guys are, are doing this um, with your students. Sure. Um, I meet with my team, my CLT team, as um, Bridget Loft mentioned earlier, the collaborative learning team. Uh, every week and we share things that we're doing um, in creative ways to make sure that our students are getting the this information and this um, this learning in different ways. So one of the things that I've been doing a lot of is I've been encouraging my students to use the many resources that we do have for online learning like Dreambox and um, Reading A to Z and then I'm I'm monitoring their work and coming back and communicating with them through Seesaw to make sure that they are getting things accurately and following up with other created activities or found activities that way. Um, and I use uh, a lot of the scheduling and information that my team put together before school was um, closed to make sure that we are circling back to things that were covered and referring to lessons back then to make sure that I'm extending upon that learning as best I can for them. And to piggyback on what Sydney um, talked about, in my case, I spend a good bit of time working with math CLTs. We spend a lot of time reviewing work to make sure it's clear, to make sure we're using language that's accessible to all of our students since we're not face-to-face -face with them and we can't clarify directions as easily. And then I'm spending a portion of the day monitoring their work on Canvas and meeting with classes live to answer questions, to explain topics, or in the case of AP statistics, to help teach mini lessons to prepare them for the AP exam. Uh, before before we move on, I want to bring in um, Aaron Gregory. Um, he is our Chief Diversity, Inclusion, and Equity Officer. Um, and in your entry plan, you had talked about um, 
meeting with the community during this time and going out and talking to various groups. And of course, this this um, shutdown has put a stop to all that. So this is kind of your first formal introduction to our to our community. Um, so welcome aboard and, and welcome to the podcast. And thanks for joining us. Can you talk real quick about the difference between online learning and district learning? I know that we both terms are thrown out there almost interchangeably, but there is a, a difference between the two. Uh, thanks, Frank, for the introduction. I appreciate it. Again, this is my uh, formal introduction to Arlington Public Schools. I want to thank you all for welcoming me to the community. Um, I feel a part of the community. I'm very grateful to be here, and I just want to say thank you. Um, in terms of distance learning and online learning, there are some several differences. The key differences are probably broken into three different uh, categories. There's a difference in interaction. There's a difference in intention. And there's also a, a difference in um, how, how we engage students um, through the differences of distance learning. Um, a little bit about the first one in terms of distance learning, uh, in terms of location. With online learning, students can be together in a classroom with an instructor while working through their digital lessons and assessments. So within the classroom structure, we have two teachers who will be able to engage our students through using an application such as um, Google Classroom, uh, but they're there face-to-face -face with students. So with distance learning, students work, are, work, are working primarily always online at home while the teacher assigns works and checks in digitally. So our Arlington process is really around distance learning. There's also a, a difference in interaction. With online learning, uh, students will be involved in, in person and in interaction between uh, the students and the teachers on a regular basis. That's the online learning piece along with, um, it's a teaching strategy. With distance learning, it's not in-person interaction between teachers and students. However, we'll likely rely on digital forms of communication, such as messaging apps, video calls, discussion boards, and your learning management tools. So, and that's the final difference with the intention. So online learning is designed to be used in combination with a variety of other in-person teaching methods. And distance learning is a method for delivering instruction solely on online again, not as a variation to a teaching style. Thanks, Aaron, for that uh, the clarification on the on the two concepts and, and, and what we're using. And um, since we're talking to you now, um, elaborate a little more on how the, our continuity of learning plan fits in with our strategic plan and ties into that. Sure. I think we've heard a little bit about from Bridget in terms of our intention with our, our, our alignment. But just to to clarify, with our with our strategies, we want to highlight our principles, right? So, so our principles that even Cynthia mentioned are equity of access and opportunity to all students. Uh, with our distance learning, allows students in each grade level to experience a new approach to instruction that focuses on key skills for success in a digital learning world. And those things that we have already have embedded within our strategic plan include global global competencies critical thinking, creative thinking, collaboration, communication, and citizenship into the curriculum. All those things and all those different features we're taking in consideration as we developed um, our, our learning plans. Um, also, we kept in mind Arlington's mission to ensure all students learn and thrive in a safe, healthy, and supportive learning environment. I know from my numerous conversations with our superintendent that her goal, and always our goal, is, is keeping in mind student well-being. That's a top priority. So that strategy during this pandemic for us is to deliver curriculum through innovative and relevant instruction that is adaptable 
to the diverse needs of our student population. And above all else, students need to be creative, collaborative, as well as adapt as critical thinkers. And I know that um, one of the things that we um, talk about is 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 equity um, across the board and, and how our students are able to access um, the content. Uh, discuss or talk a little bit about about that. Sure, I think it's been it's been touched on a little bit already by Miss um, Loft as well as um, by Miss Johnson. But in terms of our distance learning, we always have to keep in mind that we're, our objective is to keep the learning going. Um, and that's what our objective is during this pandemic. Some of the things we have to consider is that not all students have access and all students may have a device possibly, but you have to also be able to have the connectivity with those devices. So we keep in mind what, what, our, what our students' needs are, and that's as a student, as a, as a complete division, not just a singular student. So we wanna always think about what those students have, what their needs may be, with the package, we want to make sure that we consider our students with disabilities and what those needs might needs are. We want to make sure that we consider our English um, language learners and what their needs are, as well as um, our gifted students as well. So with, with that in mind, first use an equity lens to dis- decide how to go about our learning plans. And as Bridget mentioned before, that we engage community stakeholders. We engage teachers, we engage principals and administrators. We engaged the community. We had uh, parent groups are a part of that process uh, of looking through that equity lens. And then we always want to think about so who with our plans or what we're moving doing, what we're doing moving forward in terms of our policies, our practices and procedures. Who does that impact? What is that impact? And how do we mitigate that impact? So all those we're taking into consideration as we develop the learning plans for Arlington Public Schools. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for that explanation and, and how we include uh, the equity lens in, into our um, into this learning plan. I want to bring back uh, Sydney and Laurel to talk a little bit um, ab- about again what their day looks like and how technology is incorporated in into uh, into their day. I'll let Sydney go first as the teacher of the elementary teacher. Sure. In an effort to keep. My teaching and my students' learning as normal as possible. I've incorporated a morning meeting and a closing circle into my day. Um, I, in order to make it a little more accessible to them and their schedules at home, I record a video on Seesaw and I post them both um, around those same times of day that we would have been hosting those meetings um, at school. I also post a read aloud every day. Um, because that was one of those fun things that the students got to do together during normal school times. Outside of that, for um, academics, though, I spend the day checking in on those other resources I mentioned before, like Dreambox and Raz Kids. Uh, Students who are doing paperwork post pictures of it on Seesaw. I give them feedback, recording comments or leaving comments and emojis. They love the emojis. Um, And just letting them know how great they're doing or giving them advice. Um, I've created some flip grids for the students to um, contribute to so they can see each other's faces. And I also, I do like conferences through Microsoft Teams with kids individually throughout the week. They read me a little book. I encourage them or give them a little feedback. And then I also use the time after that to visit in with their parents, um, check in on how their parents are doing. And then I also give their parents a little bit of a lesson because at the elementary level, at least the K 
pre-K, second, first, um, our level, the parents are doing a lot of this work as well and really monitoring. So I was joking with a parent this morning in a conference about how I feel like I'm te- I'm teaching them what I learned in college to be a teacher um, in that in that short period of time and just giving them advice to really encourage their children to keep working and give them that think time, those things that are hard for teachers to really get the hang of um, as well at first when they're teaching. And I'm just trying to keep an open line of communication with both students and parents. I also host a weekly class meeting where the students get to come together and see each other and talk to each other um, and share what they've been doing. And then I have daily office hours for parents to reach out to me and share with each other what's been working for them and what they might need help with. And then I offer advice. And it could be advice as simple as how to set up their home schooling or their home learning area um, to best mimic the environment of a school. Things are a a little different on the high school, but also very similar. The biggest difference, of course, is the shift in in time. Posting lessons at the regular time of 819 is is not working for a lot of high school students right now. So my morning is usually spent reviewing what students have completed, emailing students who may be less engaged, emailing parents, talking with my CLT. And midday, early afternoon is when I'm offering office hours or opportunities for students to engage in live conversations about content. So um, there's a chance for them through Microsoft Teams to see each other. I recently had a student who was trying to get in contact with one of his classmates. And so we tried to use the office hours to get both of them to, to join in so they could talk to each other. And then after those midday live sessions and office hours, I really do spend the afternoon and the evening monitoring emails answering people's concerns. I have high schoolers who are babysitting and working during the day. So the only time they can contact me is in the evening. So my email monitoring stretches later into the into the night than it did before uh, when we were in school. This is Bridget. And I just wanted to um, share an observation and listening to Sydney and Laurel, in addition to sort of the academic intellectual supports, um, I'm really struck by the work that they're doing to, to promote their, their students' social-emotional health. Um, both of them have themes of, of connectivity uh, and differentiating based on what, what the, um, the student's accessibility or um, um, ability is. Uh, both of them talked about giving uh, feedback and focusing on the positive. Uh, they talked about the promotion of, of community and, and being available for parents. And I think, you know, as we've always emphasized, we've got sort of this dual rail where we have uh, promoted uh, exemplary educational excellence uh, while at the same time um, promoting our students' social emotional health. And I'm just very grateful to both of them that they are uh, managing both both uh, so well. Yeah, and you um, really touched on the next question I was going to ask, and that is is about social emotional support um, and what that looks like. And I think both um, Laurel and Sydney are showing good examples of how they're checking in and making sure that the the social emotional well being of their students is is also taken into considering consideration during this time. What other supports are there for that, Bridget? 
pre-K to 12, our counselors have been actively engaged in um, uh, creating videos that are available uh, for our students uh, using some some of those counseling topics that are particularly germane to um, some of the distance learning experiences. So sort of self-regulation, management of time, um, dealing with emotions uh, that are perfectly normal uh, when, when your world is sort of, you know, rent asunder. And so, and counselors are also checking in regularly with their students uh, and with parents. Our psychologists and our social workers often um, provide uh, additional services to students via their IEPs uh, and have continued that work. And our social workers have been actively engaged with families who may be facing uh, food scarcity or other uh, issues as the economy um, uh, really has taken taken a downturn. So um, our student services staff has really been on point uh, to to reach uh, kids and families where they are and provide that support. If you don't mind, I'd like to, to um, add on to that a little bit about some specific examples that I heard. Uh, that there has been an assistant principal who's called every single student with disabilities family in their classroom, you know, in their school, in their building. You know, another example I heard is that during spring break, a principal has a call-in check-in with all of his students, and all of them got online with them at one time just to check in during spring break. That, to me, shows a true commitment to equity and making sure that our student well-being is at the forefront of our, our thought process right now, because that, in, in, in line with what they're doing ed- every day ed- educationally, that is education. You're right, and thanks for sharing that, Aaron. Bridget, I want to I want to switch gears a little bit and go back to some of the instruction. Um, the Department of Teaching and Learning uh, prepared packets uh, for grades um, kindergarten through second to address English language arts and math standards. Talk a little bit about these packets and why we went with the packets route um, for, for those grades. Sure. So before schools closed, we had a shared device model with our pre-K through second grade, which means that they were not individually assigned a device. They uh, use the devices pretty minimally, actually, um, during their instruction. And uh, maybe Sydney can speak a little bit more to that. Um, uh, The shared model was really based on our understanding of of, um, neural development, brain development of our young students, and uh, the impact that uh, too much screen time can have. And it's also based on uh, best instructional practices. So when schools closed on the 13th, our Um, pre-K through second grade students did not have um, devices assigned to them. And so we really had to um, think about what the next steps would be. I personally and and, um, our early childhood staff felt uncomfortable, felt it would be um, inappropriate to put devices in the hands of these children and their families who had not been habituated to using the devices, wouldn't have access to direct technical support that might be necessary. And so we opted to to use instructional packets as one medium for delivering um, learning. These packets are uh, were pushed through Parent View. Uh, we'll have April um, packets, and then we'll also have a separate uh, learning packets for May. We've also had them available at the feeding sites uh, for folks to pick up if they prefer.
prefer to have a hard pack, a hard copy. And uh, the packets really um, have uh, some dynamic learning opportunities for kids. I know, as Sydney had talked about, our teachers are um, in the habits now of reaching out to families at least a couple of times a week to um, provide some direct instruction for the activities included in the packets. And as I said, we'll, uh, we will have um, reading lessons uh, that really mirror the experience that the kid would have had uh, in uh, when school was in session. Those will be available via AETV shortly. So the combined sort of modalities of paper, um, some of that online support or, or support uh, direct instruction by teachers and then videos um, are the way that we thought we'd move forward. Great. Thanks for that explanation. And, and um, especially the part about, you know, putting the devices in the hands of students who may not have had time to use those. I know we're, I want to respect everybody's time um, that you've taken out for this day, especially our teachers that have, have joined us. And I know that one thing I just wanted to add is that the check-ins that you guys do at the, at the different grade levels um, have really been extremely beneficial for my kids. They love seeing their teacher through Teams or or um, or whatever chats they're using and to see the faces of their classmates that they haven't been able to see for a few weeks now. So that's really, really um, helps them out during the day and they, and they love doing that. Um, but like I said, I do want to appreciate your time. So a couple more real quick questions um, before we wrap it up. And Bridget, um, I wanted to ask you where families can go for additional resources and to get some of their que uh, additional questions answered. So I would absolutely suggest they start with their teacher. The teacher is sort of the font of, of knowledge and uh, can speak directly to students' needs because they know their kids. Uh, if they have some additional questions, their, their principal is absolutely a terrific resource. So nothing has changed in that sort of guidance. We also have a wealth of resources on our continuity of learning um, webpage on the APS website. Certainly, uh, folks can go there. And that includes uh, access to a frequently asked questions document that's pretty robust thanks to the, uh, the feedback that we've received from folks. So I would suggest that uh, if folks are still feeling like they don't have an answer to their questions, they take a look at that FAQ document uh, because likely the, they'll find an answer there. Thank you. And before we go, I do, I do want to bring Cynthia back in. And just to, uh, is there anything else that you want to add before before we wrap up um, this episode of, of the podcast that you want families to know and families to hear? Yes, I, I appreciate all the comments that were shared, and I really want to extend my appreciation to the staff members, the teachers that have joined us today, but also all the teachers in Arlington that are working really hard to meet this changing um, situation. I was struck, as Bridget had pointed out, by some of the information that was shared by the teachers, and I think it serves as a model for what we want to be able to see in terms of student learning um, and, and an effort to meet the academic, social, and emotional needs of our students during this period of time. Um, and one of the things that I shared in my letter today um, that I just want to acknowledge, there is no substitute for face-to-face -face time. We are all missing our students, and we're missing all of the things that occur, as was referenced today, by having those face-to-face 
opportunities, but we're working hard to really do our best. So I want to, again, reiterate the importance of allowing time to implement the plan. If you do have questions um, or concerns pertaining to your student, as Bridget had alluded, the first point of contact is actually the teacher. Um, We want to continue to try to maintain some of the practices that were in place prior to the coronavirus. So I want to mention that um, uh, the, the work that people are doing is of tremendous value. The feedback is also invaluable. So continue to provide that and we will, again, reflect on that feedback and continue to work towards ensuring that our students are in fact accessing learning in a very equitable fashion. We do want our students to continue to learn. We do want them to continue to receive the emotional support that they need. Their world has been rocked and we need to be able to ensure that we're supporting our students collectively. And we are in it together and we will get a better outcome by working together. So I wanna continue to encourage us to do that. APS is committed to all of our students. And I thank you for the opportunity to share today. Thank you, uh, Cynthia, for for, um, those words and and sharing that with us. And again, um, for additional resources, families can visit our website, specifically the Continuity of Learning page that Bridget mentioned. There's an FAQ there. Um, They can also continue to submit questions through our engage at APSVA.us email address. So again, thank you for joining us at, at this episode of What's Up APS podcast. And I hope that we were able to answer your questions about this continuity of learning plan. I want to thank Sydney, Bridget, Aaron, Laurel, and Tia for taking time out of their day to to be on this podcast with us and answer your questions. Uh, As everyone said, we're all navigating this challenge, uh, challenging time together, and we want you to know that we are here for you. Please stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the What's Up APS podcast, and have a great day.